Become spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your RPG treasure trove. Here at our home in Valor Studios, uh, where we are a, a TTRPG content creation community who love sharing our stories with the world. As I mentioned, I'm Ryan Howard, King of the Boneheads, and this is Rollin' Bones, a tabletop role-playing game talk show where we like to bring on guests from the tabletop role-playing community and have conversations about their experiences and works. If you guys like what you're seeing tonight, uh, definitely, definitely hit the subscribe button, especially if you're a Twitch Prime member. Uh, we would greatly appreciate the support. And uh, you can find out more information about Valor Studios at valorstudios.com. You can also uh, follow the link, which will pop up here in chat, to join the Valor Studios Discord page. And if you've got a friend who wants to watch this show but uh, couldn't necessarily make it out tonight... Uh, definitely visit the Valor Studios YouTube page, uh, which you'll see a link for here in chat as well. And if you're watching us from YouTube, uh, we definitely want to say thank you for supporting us in that way. And uh, definitely come join us live on Monday nights at twitch.tv slash Valor Studios uh, to join in on the conversation live. And speaking of joining in on the conversation live, if you have a question for myself or our guest tonight... Uh, definitely feel free to drop it in the chat, and James will uh, send it to us, and we will discuss what you guys want us to discuss. So without further ado, I uh, want to introduce tonight's guest. This episode has been a long time coming. Uh, there's been a little bit of an eldritch curse put upon this interview, uh, but we have finally spoken the right incantation and uh, put the Elder Gods back in their uh, pocket dimensions so we can uh, finally have a conversation with the creator of Weird Frontiers, a Dungeon Crawl Classics compatible Weird West RPG. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. David Beatty. David, welcome to Rollin' Bones. Thanks for having me tonight, and uh, I will definitely apologize again for the last <laughs> two times we've tried to make this happen. Oh, it's all good. It's all... Things like this happen... Uh, you know, they, they happen way more often than any, anyone who has not ever produced a show like this. Uh, understand that if you start out wanting to do content like this, wanting to stream a game, wanting to do a talk show, stuff like that is going to happen all the time. It doesn't matter how professional you are, sometimes just the gremlins get in the system. Uh, but fortunately, we got that worked out. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on, Ryan. Oh, no problem at all. And it's great to talk to you because we, we have another connection here. We're both Carolina boys, which I am. <laughs> I am always down to, to support a fellow Carolinian, even if you are from South Carolina. Yeah, well, you're just about an hour and a half away from each other. So yeah. uh, just uh, next time you're in town, let me know. and We'll grab a, a beer and throw some dice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so. What we do when we have someone on the show for the first time, David, we've got introductory questions that, you know, we like to ask everyone. So let's start at the beginning here. How did you get into role-playing games? Uh, geez. Um, you guys were still floating around in the phlogiston when that happened. I think I was maybe eight or nine. And uh, an older kid in the neighborhood, you know, with summers, you're off from school and you're bored. And he brought this... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons box game over and we we played that man it seemed like every day and we didn't know what we were doing but we were still having a good time you know um, 
so from that point on, I think, honestly, I can't think of a time, I hate to say this, but I'm 52 years old. I can't think of a time past that, the time that I actually actually got into the Dungeons and Dragons where I wasn't throwing dice. It went from, you know, we, we kind of evolved or, or branched out, did a lot of Gamma World and then jumped into Marvel superheroes and back to D&D. And then the old World of Darkness came out and it was cool to be a goth, you know, so mm-hmm. we... It's kind of come full circle, but I've been at it for, I guess, a good uh, 40 years, maybe more. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So you mentioned a lot of game systems there. Uh, what would you say your favorite game system that you've played in is, or what's your favorite game system right now, if you can't pick from all the systems you, you've played in the past? Well, um, I'd have to say DCC is my go-to now. And it's just because once you've got that system down, you can do so much with it. You know, obviously I've got a, a game coming out, but it's it's the community, which I know you're well aware of. It's just such an amazing uh, group of people. They're all creative and they all welcome you. And um, other than DCC, though, if, if I had to scratch that one out of existence, um, I probably would go second edition Dungeons and Dragons Advanced Dungeons and Dragons or maybe I wasn't really as big into um, Vampire I did enjoy Werewolf but Wraith was kind of my thing when it came out a lot of people are kind of that's one of the more obscure uh, Old World of Darkness games but I I really enjoyed some of the systems that that game has incorporated with it Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah, and, and let's not speak about uh, scratching DCC from existence because that's my favorite system. <laughs> and, and I don't want to lose it. No, no, we don't want to lose it. It's just, you know, it's to me, it's uh, even if you take the community away, it, the funny thing is, is when I first played DCC, I hated it. I mean, I hated that game. And I know that's kind of surprising, but we had played uh, Pathfinder and we were so used to that crunch, you know, for like mm-hmm. two years. We had a, a good campaign going, and uh, a buddy and I had some characters that were kind of the Farford and Gray Mauser kind of, you know, we were, we were having a great time. And then the, the dungeon master just, or I can't even remember what you call the Pathfinder judges, but he just decided he didn't want to do it anymore. He was tired of carrying around 32 splat books, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I get it, but he was like, let's try this game called DCC. And we played a funnel, and I had a I got a character with a cow and a chicken. I was like, what the hell's going on? You know, and and I had, the, the, as always is the case, the one character you want to survive is the first one to die in the funnel. Yeah. So I had this horribly statted up character. And I was just like, what do I do with this? You know, and it, it didn't hit me. And it, it probably took a couple of months. And I don't know what, what made me do it. But I actually picked up the book and read through it. And I was just like, this light came down from the clouds and the... Uh, this angelic Joseph Goodman floated down and sprinkled dust over me, and from that point on, I've, I've been a I've been a happy cultist ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's something that's interesting about Dungeon Crawl Classics, and it's it's something that I talked about on on Lou's podcast uh, back in December. For anyone out there wanting to get into any DCC or MCC type game. Uh, they're basically the same game just with different paint jobs but don't start with a funnel play one adventure that's just a one shot or you know one to two shots with first or second level characters then once you're hooked do the funnel because if you go in there and you're like we're creating characters and i rolled a scribe that's that's not that's not what people come to the table for. Uh, so having that be your first experience with DCC, I, I can I can see why there were some initial uh, hard feelings towards it. That's a great idea too. I actually never thought about that. Um, you know, running the just running a solid first level adventure before you even tried the funnel. But I mean, now I love funnels; like they're awesome. <laughs> so it's it was just a shock to the system. I went from like an eighth level beat to just playing at zero level, you know. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Gong farmer. Absolutely. Now, uh, the the next question that we have for you, uh, if you had to describe your play style as a both a GM and a player, how how would you describe that? Um, 
As a GM, I try to keep it loose, but I do like to use the rules. Um, you know, some judges with DCC, they're not big on the dice chain, and there's some of the rules that they don't hit on, I think, as much as they could. I do think that you could probably um, overuse certain rules for the game. You know, there's a balance to keep, and I think that that comes with experience and watching other judges, you know, that have been at it for a while. Like, if you go to a con and you play under... Uh, Harley or Michael Curtis or any of the other DCC alumni, you'll you always learn something. Like Brendan LaSalle is just like mind blowing. His energy, I, I always accuse, accuse him of buying a, a big crack rock before each convention because <laughs> yeah. he's just I I, I don't know how, how he does it, but he's just nonstop bubbling, bouncing around. But um, my play style, I try to. I, I try. It's more about. It used to be. I think way back when I, I was very specific on character classes that I wanted to play, and now it's kind of fun just to play the class, the last class that's left on the table at a con or something, you know, and uh, give it a little bit of a story, not too much, because you don't want to be obnoxious and hog table time. But yeah. um, if if you're saying play style, I just I try to I try to find a, a good balance between uh you know getting into character and and not being obnoxious about it if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely now those of us who devote a lot of time to this hobby make shows like this you know put games out like you do we have a lot of fond memories tied up with this otherwise you know we wouldn't spend so much of our precious free time working on it so if you had to pick a fondest rpg memory what would that be <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, you just brought a flashback. This might not actually be something that uh, garners me any fame, but um, I was playing in, uh, and it, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting tickled because I'm having flashbacks, but um, I played in a game with Michael Curtis and it was a Gamma World game. And mm -hmm. Michael Curtis, put, he pulls no punches. And I was playing a mutated gorilla and it just so happened that there was a, uh, a gentleman with his daughter playing and she was probably i'd say maybe 10 maybe a little younger but so we're all going through this and and she was i hope this young lady isn't listening to this she was the most obnoxious kid that you would ever have. everything that you didn't want to happen she just so it was one of those things where i think everybody at the table was kind of ready for something to happen but um one of the mutations that the gorilla had was death field generation and if you're familiar with any of the old camera world abilities it basically sucks uh hit points away from everything in the area mm -hmm. and so her character happened to be in an elevator going up at the time i used this power and i didn't even think anything about it and the fact that curtis did just shows how maniacal and evil he really is in his heart um <laughs> i'm just kidding he's, he's a great guy but um so we generate all the damage and it just sucks the room there's death all in the room and then he looks at the little girl and he says and you'll lose i think it was like 40 something hit points so it killed her but the look on her face was just sheer shock and then it was hatred and i still have a picture of this girl sitting at the table with just she's just glaring at me mm -hmm. um so that's probably i hate to say that but that's probably one of my fondest memories is making a young girl cry at a con <laughs> Maybe, maybe I should have dug for something else. Oh, it's... That kind of stuff is always fun, too. When a player's giving you hell, and then just the, the perfect opportunity comes up where uh, you can you can give them a taste of their own medicine. It's Those are always I will, fun. I will say this, though. Um, I didn't start going to cons. Uh, I went to some... I used to do a lot of Warhammer uh, 40K and Blood Bowl. Oh, yeah. So I attended cons, but they were more for miniature games, tournaments, and I didn't attend a con until I started playing DCC, and I loved it so much that I actually wanted to, I wanted to run it right, if that makes sense. So oh, yeah. I, I went to my first Gary Con back when it was still like tiny, and um, got to play with Curtis and Joe Bittman, you know, and all these guys, and so all of my memories actually probably revolve around either a a DCC author or, or an adventure, you know, that, that was DCC or in the later years, MCC. Gotcha. gotcha. So uh, we actually have a question about cons. Uh, and the question was, what cons are David's favorite to visit? And hi, everybody. I'm the producer of the show. And uh, you'll see me pop in and out of chat every now and then. Uh, but yeah, what are your favorite cons are to visit, Dave? 
Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would probably say Gary Khan is is the tops right now. Um, especially, it's getting it's getting more and more packed. I think so. It's losing a little bit of that charm, but uh, for several years, it was just it was the perfect size, and everybody that you wanted to hang out with was there. And it was, you know, there was a heavy theme with DCC, so it was you, you, you had a blast with that. But um, I do also love North Texas Con. Um, I think Ryan and I were discussing that a little earlier, just because it's a great little con, and you just can't go wrong with the food in Texas. <laughs> it's just, yep, always like come back ten pounds heavier. Um, but North Texas and Long Con, I love Long Con. Those guys are awesome, and I think it's starting to actually get some uh, steam under. It's getting bigger. Um, the other ones that I usually go to, I used to love Dragon Con, but I'll be honest with you, it's just gotten so packed, and the gaming seems to be dwindling a little bit for it. Maybe not dwindling, but um, it seems to be more of a party cosplay con now, so I just can't do the elbow-to-elbow the -elbow crowd. So um, Gen Con, I love Gen Con that dealer room's like a super Walmart, so it's hard not to get excited and, you know, go squee when you walk into the, the, the hall there. But other than uh, those, I've done Mace, and Mace is a good little con, but, oh, and Game Hall. Shouldn't, shouldn't forget Game Hall. I, I love Game Hall as well. I think it's about, it feels like a, a Gary, but not in as a confined space. So I do like Gary. I mean, uh, Game Hall as well. Um, I'd like to try and hit some more this year. Um, I know we talked about a Total Con, I believe, wasn't it? Yep. Ryan, we we're talking. I wouldn't mind trying that one and some of the others that everybody always talks so much about, especially with uh, the DCC influence. You know, you always want to go to a con where there's a lot of DCC and MCC oh. and Weird Frontiers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, this uh, this next question here, this is our last of these introductory questions, and then we're going to dig into some stuff with, with Weird Frontiers. Um, and I'll tell you, the answer to this question can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. Uh, but David, if you could put anything on a t-shirt, what would it be? <laughs> oh, you're going to get me in trouble, man. Uh <laughs> Anything on a T-shirt, what would it be? God, it'd have to be something with a cat or a kitten, uh, probably riding some mythical beast and charging into war. Uh, I, I don't take things too serious, so it would have to be something totally silly and off the wall. But uh, anybody that knows me knows I'm kind of a cat guy, so I hope that, that gives you a little bit. That's kind of off the wall, man. I didn't expect that. I. In my head, I, I'm picturing just because of the the subject matter of Weird Frontiers. I'm picturing, uh, like, a giant Cthulhu, and then a cat climbing on Cthulhu, <laughs> just like on his shoulder, and Cthulhu's just like, stop, get down, down. <laughs> but he wouldn't do that because he loves the cat, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we actually have a cool shirt T-shirt coming out pretty soon. I, uh, I don't know if you've seen the art for it or not, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good one. I'll think about that tonight when I go to bed. I'll draw, shoot you a text or something. Gotcha. Absolutely. Cool. So, uh, with the introductory questions out of the way, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Weird Frontiers and Weird West in general. And whenever I'm talking about the West or Western RPGs, the, the question that I have always is what are your influences as far as uh like western media what are your favorite western movies uh what are your favorite uh western rpgs you know talk a little bit about about that well i'll say this the the western genre was something that kind of crept up on me uh, later in life i wasn't really always into uh western movies when i was younger it was something that kind of i don't know i just you catch that one really good one, and then you're like, hey, wait a minute, this is kind of cool. You know, I want, I want some more of this Clint Eastwood guy. Um, so I would say that uh, movie-wise, with the Weird West genre, it's a little harder to find something that you're really going to not kind of want to turn off halfway through. Um, you definitely will have more luck with uh, just going with some of the, the 
I guess you'd call them straight meat and potato westerns. But um, I try and watch uh, the last one I watched that was really good was and, and when I do watch them, something that I always try and do, whether it's a, a TV show or a movie, is I always try and, and put that weird weird west twist on it. Like, how can I make this into an adventure? And and most times you could do that. I mean, it just takes a little bit of tweaking, but it's cool because they fuel the the creative you know energies that you have. I think it's kind of cool to come up with uh, adventure ideas based on some of your favorite movies like The Good, Bad, and the Ugly and Portend to Yuma. I mean, there's just so many good movies out there. You know, if, if, if you've not been a lifelong Western guy, I mean, and you just kind of get into it, if, if Weird Frontiers or Deadlands or, you know, Down Darker Trails, if, if any of those games kind of spark that interest in you, you've got just a a library of movies to, to fall upon to, to, to watch for inspiration. But um, I haven't watched a lot of movies lately. The One of the last Westerns I did watch, which was really, I thought it was really good. And I can't think of the, uh, the actor's name, but he was also in uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix. Did you guys, mm-hmm. have you seen that? Um, his vernacular is just, it's, it's mind blowing. And I can't think of the character or the actor's name, but he was in a movie, um, I think it's called Old Henry. I can't remember the name of the movie now. It's actually, it's not on uh, Netflix. You'd have to rent it, but just a really cool slow burn of a Western. And that's kind of cool, you know. And it's it, what's fun is when you watch a movie like that where it just kind of sizzles and crackles all the way to the end and then it just blows up in everybody's face. Mm-hmm. What's fun is trying to take that, that element and put that into an rpg if you can if you can do that and you, and you kind of slow trickle it in until the fire just starts to, and you you can tell you pull your party in or your players in and then towards the end it just blows up in their faces and you can tell they're so ready to have that last minute or that last end of the end of the the game duel or you know big fight that's a lot of fun um other influences uh music uh creating uh weird frontiers you know, I probably spent a good year, year and a half before it really got close where we were going to do the Kickstarter on it. So just for, you know, I guess background noise, I would go through and just try and find dark country, things that really build on the mood. And there's a ton of good material out there. Um, I've got a, I've got two playlists, I think. One of them is Weird Frontiers. I think the other may be titled... I may have changed it when when we rebranded the the name of the game, but one of those uh, set lists I think or track lists is it may be over like twelve hours of music. <laughs> so um, I get my influences from that uh, comics to a degree. You know, there's some good comics. Jonah Hex is kind of hard to go wrong with. Oh yeah. Um, so it's I'm all over the place, and and the funny thing is, is there there's so there's such a there's such a I don't know. I'm trying to, to, to put it in good words, but there's so much material out there for people who want to run a Weird Frontiers game or any kind of uh, Weird West game that it's 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 kind of hard to just kind of you know narrow it down to a few things because we could we could really talk for hours going mm-hmm. from music to novels to comics to movies. I mean, it's just it seems like there's unending amount of of material. Mm-hmm. And, and chat's asking right now if you've seen the movie El Tapo, the uh, the Jodorowsky movie. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, yes, I watched that movie. My barber actually—he's—he's he's a cool cat. Uh, he's a younger guy, and he was telling me him and his dad they like to watch Western movies. <laughs> so I did sit down and watch that movie, and I'm gonna tell you, man, it—it it was just. That's about as weird as you can get with a movie. I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys have you seen it. <clears throat> I've seen some of it. Um, I, my familiarity with uh, Jodorowsky is in that he tried to make a Dune movie, and so I've seen bits and pieces of El Topo just from researching his treatment for Dune. But I haven't sat down and watched the whole movie. But it looks like just the weirdest thing. I would suggest a lot of psychotropic drugs if you're going <laughs> to watch that movie. I watched it sober, so I, that made me an issue. And, and, you know, for its time, I mean, it, it's cool. It was some really good. Uh, the cinematography was awesome, and it, but it's just, it, it's just weird. That's all I can say about it. Yeah. 
Cool. So um, the the next question that I have for you, as far as uh, just talking about influences, were, were you a big uh, Boot Hill player? No, um, and that's kind of kind of what I've uh, mentioned earlier with the, the last question. I didn't really get into westerns as yep. a kid. You know, I, I was raised by my mom. Uh, she raised me by herself. So maybe if I had a dad around, I not like <laughs> not one of those things. Um, but maybe if I'd had, you know, uh, a dad around, the Western thing would have been there, but it wasn't. So I was always comics, superheroes, horror, you know, sci-fi. So my interest in gaming kind of went that direction, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the the whole Western thing, it, it, gaming, Deadlands, it, I would say I was probably well into my 40s before I even picked them up. And I feel bad because I think that, you know, that, if I had gotten into it earlier, it would have been, you know, something I would have really enjoyed. But for some reason, it's just that genre that I never really, you know, it's just one of those things. You 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 play with groups of people growing up. You know, now obviously with the internet, you've got a lot more folks to to branch out with. But you know, growing up, you had your little neighborhood block of kids that played games, and that was just something that we never, you know, we never gave a try. Yeah, absolutely. Now. Um... To kind of set the scene for people here, uh, this is going to be asked as a two-part question. Uh, firstly, can you give a little summary of what the world of Weird Frontiers is going to be like for players? And then, in addition to that, uh, what are some of the things that you're most excited for players to experience when they first enter the world of Weird Frontiers? Well, I definitely did want to put something out that felt too much like a game that was already out so obviously deadlands is you know the king of the hill shane's an awesome guy and i wanted to really try and push away from from what he had done and make a game that basically people would sit down at the table and think this is this is cool this is different you know i dig it not saying there's anything wrong with deadlands because there's not but you know why pick up a new game um if you're already you know into playing deadlands and like it in other words, I just wanted to do something that was, you know, a little bit off the chain for it. So, um, when you when you play Weird Frontiers, I kind of want it to feel I don't know, like a mule kick to the nards, if that makes sense. I want it to be in your face like a spaghetti western. Um, a lot of systems emphasize uh, investigation and things like that, and that's definitely in Weird Frontiers. But it kind of takes a backseat, at least I in my games it does it takes a back seat to the the blood and gore and the the combat and the just the nitty-gritty of things so i i, I don't know i try to make it feel like a roller coaster if that makes sense you're not going to have too many slow moments there are some times where you know obviously you need to investigate and uh ramble around town to figure out where you need to be but from that point on you need to go fill something up with lead so yeah um going to the the second part of your question i think that I feel like that the the strongest element with Weird Frontiers, and I think anybody that's played it or read through it would probably agree, is the character classes. Um, I oh. tried really hard to come up with some classes. Anytime I've ever played a game, you asked me uh, earlier on the show, you know, things that I like to play. It's always been about character classes. You know, that's what's always pulled me into a game and made me fall in love with the system. If you've got a class that you really dig and you can relate to, then you're gonna you're probably gonna like that system. So um, the the classes I feel like are the heart and soul of Weird Frontiers, and it's really hard to pinpoint one that I think is you know above them. I feel like they all feel a little bit of a niche for somebody. I'm not a like a steampunk kind of guy. That's not my thing. It never has been for some reason. But you know, if you're a steampunk person, then there's a class in there. There's the bedlamite. You know, there's there's something a little something for everybody. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, your mom gives me rain in chat here. Uh, by the way, thank you for the, the sub there. Your mom gives me rain. Uh, they're talking up the Hellbilly and how that's one of their favorite classes. My personal favorite, I, I do love a good gunslinger, and I think the one that you've put in uh, the game is great. But my personal favorite is the Luchador. The Luchador <laughs> is a fantastic addition to this weird world. Although, I do have to take you to task for one thing. As a gigantic wrestling fan, uh, when it comes to 
the line for the luchador and we'll get into the line here in just a second uh you had an opportunity that i think you partially took advantage of but maybe should have taken more advantage of where you you called the person who walks the line a tweener but i will point out that in in lucha libre a face is a technico and a heel is a rudo and i wish you would have used those terms but not everyone is as huge a dork as i am so <laughs> i'll tell you this um that was that was something that i spoke uh, you may or may not know of a gentleman that's a, a pretty uh he's an awesome guy in the dc's community named michael bolum and he is like you man he loves wrestling i mean he eats sleeps and breathes it and we had a lot of discussions and he actually came up with some of the uh, the signature moves for the game so oh, yeah. we had those discussions and it kind of came down to space a little bit but i will say that like uh brendan lasalle's adventure that uh is coming out actually has a rudo in it so i think nice. that that's something that that could be expanded on down the <laughs> road i would love for somebody you know just like with with goodman's games you know you're you're welcome to take uh take it and run with it and produce your own you know adventure or whatever you want to do and, and my hopes are um that somebody will take something like maybe even make a, a luchador handbook or you know i mean i, I welcome that so if, if ryan if you want to do me right <laughs> and you want to you want to do some justice to the luchador then you are welcome but um i will say this uh there will be an all luchador adventure at some point um, i'm waiting for somebody to pitch it and if they don't then i'm gonna go at it and i guess i need to uh bend your ear on it since you're a self-confessed fan yeah I, I feel like you've just kind of laid down a gauntlet for me and <laughs> and challenged me to come up with uh some kind of like dark wrestling federation type adventure for uh for weird frontiers so i'm, I'm gonna have to start looking into that <laughs> please do and I, I mean that with sincerity it would make me so happy mm -hmm. there's this uh this crazy weird wrestling federation uh, several years ago called Lucha Underground where it was a Lucha Libre wrestling promotion but there was all kinds of like weird story elements it was a lot more cinematic than like a traditional wrestling show it was weird and bizarre and semi-mystical but it was also fantastic so I'm going to have to dig into some Lucha Underground and, and come uh, back you know, to you with that someone has suggested that I watch that and now that you put it back to the front of my head i'm gonna definitely have to look at it too oh yeah oh yeah definitely now um sorry i just uh just lost my train of thought there for a second just thinking about luchadors but yeah some of the there's a lot of great pieces of uh folklore and and mysticism from like multiple different places that you've kind of pulled into this book so for for anyone out there wondering what a party could look like you can have your uh traditional gunslinger with enchanted guns you can have your luchador you have the hellbilly which is uh essentially a barbarian who gets magic from drinking alcohol but you also have uh, kind of a, a Dia de los Muertos planeswalker type character as well, and, and all kinds of crazy stuff around that, too. Uh, talk a little bit about what what you wanted to pull from as you were making this. Like, was it just, you know, you, you'd see cool pieces of art that had the, the Day of the Dead... Uh, makeup and stuff and and want to incorporate that in the game where, where did all this come from and and how did it end up in weird frontiers i think um in all honesty i, I feel like that we're all heavily influenced by things especially as gamers you know whether it's art or books comics you know things that we've already discussed to a large degree so when it comes down to actually sitting down and trying to come up with some cool character concepts and classes i think it would be wrong not to say that you know there's some heavy influences like with the calavera i think that's kind of where you're hitting on with the, oh, yeah. the planeswalker um i can tell you just as a kid i used to read a lot of horror and there's a guy named brian loomley he's still around and he's done a lot of cthulhu stuff but um one of the series of books that he wrote was called the necroscope and the main character in it 
this British guy who could actually speak to the dead. And so, you know, the dead would, uh, they were very protective over him and they loved him. And, you know, he would, in his own ways, try and help them, uh, try and help them out if they had some unfinished business. So that influence just kind of rolls into my, I mean, who doesn't like a sugar skull, you know, or the sugar yeah. skull? Uh, so it just kind of rolls in. So I think that every class probably does have some, you know, there are some influences that I've pulled from to, and, and it may even be kind of an unconscious thing. You know, you've got these these things that, that are dear to you, uh, memories, you know, whether it be books or games. And so it's kind of hard not to draw from that, even if you're not doing it um, on purpose. Hmm. Yeah, and there's even the ability to play as uh kind of sorta and an undead pseudo time traveler in in the sin eater which yeah. i find uh very fascinating the the concept of playing like the ferryman between the the world of the living and the dead and that you could like i don't know be a barbarian from roman times who ended up in the wild west yeah, it's um. I'll just say this. I think I, I think I found a way to find everything that I actually found interesting growing up and putting a Western twist on it. Because yeah, yeah. you would think, what the hell is this guy doing in here? But <laughs> I think it fits pretty good because the some of the backstory. Um, there's this big week long event called the Seven Days of Night, and um, a lot of bad stuff happens. But one of the things that happens through the course of these rituals that are being performed is the uh, the passage to go from uh, from life to death is blocked, so souls are kind of trapped in the spirit world, and it's starting to kind of build up in that old Ghostbusters, you know, the the thing that was happening, the things were going crazy. So, uh, Charon, the uh, the first ferryman, you know, he's like, "Hey, we got to do something about this." So he takes some of his uh, ferrymen and sends them back up to the surface, and you know, you like you said, you could be playing a, a Roman gladiator who's in the West now, and you know, he still carries around one of his gladiatorial weapons um but i think it works at least i hope it does yeah with, with all the with all the strangeness that's inherent in a weird west game characters like that do uh it seems like they might stand out a little bit but they do tend to fit pretty well um so i again what one of the best strengths of, of weird frontiers like you mentioned are the crazy variety of classes and and all the cool things that each of these classes can do so um well done in that regard this you know the, reading those classes was one of my favorite parts of reading uh the book itself uh i'm oh, sorry i lost my train of thought i was reading a question <laughs> what, what was your oh, question i'm sorry right oh just i was i was saying that um even a character that's essentially a time displaced Roman like we've been using can fit in this, these weird West settings just because of how weird everything already is. Yeah. And that, well, it it yeah. ties in and, and the, the way, I mean, I don't know, you know, maybe I went too far with it, but you know, my, my thoughts were, you know, there was a time where, you know, maybe Greek mythology, those gods were actually real, but you know, we eventually evolved into, uh, where we're at right now. So what happened to all these gods? You know, they lose their their followers and worshippers, so they get a little weaker. But they're still out there somewhere. And uh, with some of the story in the in the game, the backstory, if you want to use it, you can. You know, or you don't have to if you don't want to. But is that the the elder gods are trying to break free from these dimensional prisons that they were put into aeons ago. So these uh, these I guess you'd call them dead gods in a way they realize what's going on and hey if these things get out you know this w what's next if they take earth where are they going next are they going to some of their you know their dimensions or whatnot so the one element that i didn't play a, a lot on that i wanted to is the old you know thor's got him an avatar running around in the weird west and yeah you know because ultimately this all comes to a head in one day and everybody's got a role to play in it so some of these deities are um, the more prominent ones in the game are Lady Luck and Lady Calamity. Um, you know, they've taken more of an active role in things, but as I guess the story evolves a little bit, there may be elements of that, or maybe even some uh, demons come to Earth by way of Lucifer, who really doesn't take kindly to 
uh, these elder things getting in between him and the big man at the end of the day. So there's, it's just such a, I don't know, a, a hodgepodge or melting pot of, of different ideas and stories. But I, I do think that, like you were saying, it, it, it seems to come together. I haven't had a moment yet where I've ran it at a con or, you know, off books where someone's just looked at me and be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> this makes no sense. Somehow or another, it seems to work. Now, you mentioned Thor, and I'm going to put this idea in your head right now that I'm sure you've probably already thought of, but uh, Mjolnir's a six-gun. Oh, yes. That's awesome. That's a great idea, man. I dig that. Mjolnir is a six-gun. A cult thunderer, if you will. Make it a cult frontier, and yeah. You're, you're throwing these ideas, man. You need to get on them. I hope you're writing these down. I... I am. I, I definitely am. But uh, kind of switching tracks here, um, because this is a DCC compatible game, uh, what were some of the challenges of taking the Dungeon Crawl Classics rule set and tweaking it to fit like a game that has essentially modern firearms with, you know, multiple shot guns and things like that. It's taking a fantasy rule set and kind of turning it into a Western. Yeah. So no, making that's... it work with, with Western stuff. What, what was that like for you? Um, well, I think you got, you know, and there and again, I didn't want to, to try and emulate something that was already out there, but I definitely did want you to sit down at the table if you're playing this game and think, oh, this kind of feels Western-y, you know, there's some elements to it that, that really, I'm digging it, you know, I'm feeling the vibes of it. Um, the DCC system itself is, it is what it is. Um, it's a great system. It works well for fantasy. For a weird West kind of thing, I think it needed a few tweaks. Um, I don't necessarily think anything needed to be pulled away from it, but I did feel like that we needed to add a few things. So just through the years of play testing it, um, some of the things that we added were the uh, the gun deck. Um, so basically, to, to better answer your question, there's probably four or five added mechanics. There's the gun deck, and that's kind of a, I don't know, there's a few folks that might not like that, and you don't, of course, you don't have to use it because you've got, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the crawl fanzine. I can't remember what episode, or what issue it is, but they go through firearms. And I, I didn't want to take when I did firearms for Weird Frontiers, I wanted it to I wanted to try at least to make it something different from anything else that was out there, whether you liked it or you didn't. You know, if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. You can plug something else in and, and that's easy enough to do. But um, so I spent a lot of time with firearms, reading a lot of different games and seeing how they handled it and trying to come up with something that I felt like fit the DCC crowd, if that makes sense, kind of off you know, DCC is so gonzo and weird, and it can be so over the top sometimes. And if you've played a Weird Frontiers game, you know that firearms can definitely be wild and over the top, or they can blow up in your face pretty quick. So um, there's the firearms with the gun deck. the And then, of course, if you're dealing with a horror um, element in uh, the Elder Gods, the whole Cthulhu uh, mythos, you, you probably want to have some kind of sanity uh, mechanic in there so i tried to come up with something that was different but also something that didn't weigh the game down to the point to where you know you're losing sanity points and you're pretty soon you're going to be an npc it's kind of a slow burn uh towards insanity with weird frontiers <laughs> and if you think about it your character classes um they're kind of over the top and they've got a lot of their own power so it doesn't make sense for them just to go start raving mad after a couple of adventures so um, there's a, a pretty cool, I think it's called a, uh, we call it grit checks, which is basically, um, there's a combination. Uh, if you take the stats from DCC, you've got personality and you've got stamina. And my reasoning with that was, well, what is stress? You know, stress can affect you physically, of course, uh, mentally and emotionally. So we just took the uh, stamina and the personality and added them together and then divided to come up with grit points, which are just kind of a in-story marking of where your character is on you know whether or not they're having close to having a breakdown if you fail a grit check you lose a couple of points and if you happen to go all the way to zero it's no big deal 
but you have like kind of a minor breakdown. And at the end of the adventure, you go back up to your total minus one from where it was. So there's that slow burn. But other than the sanity and the uh, the gun deck, you know, there's little rules, uh, little mechanics like uh, showdowns and things like that, that I think if you wanted to have them, you could throw them in. My, my goal with Weird Frontiers was to give you rules that you may or may not want. Uh, there's a few that I think really make the game what it is, but there's a lot of other mechanics and rules that you really don't have to use. But if you're like, man, I really wish there was rules for dynamite. You know what happens when you blow a building up? You know, there there's a, a quick little rule for that. There's a rules for chasing. Um, LaSalle, actually, is, uh, one of the, the, the better compliments I've gotten from a DCC alumni was he actually uses the chase rules um, from Weird Frontiers when in his DCC games now. So. Sweet. And, and there are a lot of mechanics that you could take that are in Weird Frontiers, and you could port them into DCC. It'd be very easy to do that. So I think we did a pretty good job with that. You know, some people think it's... Uh, I've, I've seen some folks say that it's too crunchy, and, you know, I get that. It, it is... There are more mechanics coming from DCC to a Weird Frontiers game, but there are also mechanics that you don't really have to have. I mean, if you want to get rid of the gun deck and you just want to throw 20s, that's totally fine. But I feel like that... Uh, if you ever use the gun deck, I mean, it, it adds that element, you know. And then there's boons and hexes, the, the, the poker chips that we use. So the the goal was to just try and come up with something to where if you're sitting around a table, you kind of, you know, kind of helps you get into the, I don't know, the thought process of being in a Weird West game. Hmm. And what, one thing that I would put as a positive for the gun deck is uh, this is a horror game to some extent. And there's nothing more horrifying than, uh, you know, a Shoggoth comes bursting out of the saloon. You reach for your <laughs> six-shooter, you pull it out, you pull the trigger, and you misfire. That's horrifying. And the gun deck allows for that mechanic to be there. Yeah, it does. And there's been some complaints about how it was a little stacked one way or the other. But, again, there's a mechanic in the game for tuning your rig. So if you sit around and you clean your gun and you do a good number on it before you, you bed down for the night, then you can actually pull some of the bad cards out of the gun deck. So uh, some folks may not be aware of some of these mechanics that are in there because they haven't got the meaty tome in their hands yet and they're just looking at the PDF. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's guns back in the day were not dependable, you know, and that was a challenge in and of itself. Um, uh, I had a lot of conversations with some folks who know a lot more about guns than I do. And, and, you know, doing a lot of reading on myself. And back in the day, man, it, it took a long time to load a pistol. So how do you put that into an RPG where people aren't just kind of like, seriously, I've got to wait 10 rounds to load this pistol. <laughs> so we, we tried to come up with some some good mechanics that, that are realistic, but also um, not so much that it kind of weighs down the gameplay. Hmm. Absolutely. And... Uh, Chat raises a good question here uh, as far as uh, peripherals for this particular game. Has there been any uh, talk or any movement on getting a Weird Frontier-specific uh, card deck for people to use? There uh, there are definitely plans for that. Um, I hate to... The, the Kickstarter, as anybody knows, is already late, but the book's like twice the size as it was supposed to be. So there is some, you know... Uh, I guess some gift for some take, but um, I would eventually like to do a, a theme of uh, themed deck of cards and some uh, poker chips to use for boons and hexes. But until the fulfillment is done and all those products are, you know, in people's hands, I don't think that it would be right to jump onto something else like that. But yeah, to anybody that has those questions, I would love to put out uh, Weird Frontiers underoos and anything else <laughs> that you guys want. <laughs> We'll put the we'll put uh, what I like to call the Miskatonic kid here on a T-shirt <laughs> and sell it to you. The <laughs> Miskatonic kid, that's awesome. But yeah, I, and again, I, I showed the canister here, but you you do have these uh, these Zochi dice uh, for the dice chain. Anyone unfamiliar with uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics and the way that it works? You've got all the way from a. Uh, a D3 up to a D30. And there's all kinds of weird, funky dice in the middle. 
Uh, so when you're playing Dungeon Crawl Classics or Mutant Crawl Classics or Weird Frontiers, uh, you need to break out uh, the Zochi dice, and they are uh, beautiful. They're they're amazing dice. Yeah. Now getting back to what we were saying, the dice uh, actually was very lucky in that I know Tom with Impact Dice very well, and I had a certain amount of dice sets that I needed to sell to pay for the run that I did. So it was one of those things where you can't always order these dice. Uh, Tom only orders them like a few times through the year. So it was one of those things I was either I had to get in on or, you know, there was no guarantee it would it would happen. So I was lucky enough to to get those made. And like you're saying, Ryan, I, I think they're really beautiful dice. So I'm happy with them and I've sold enough sets now to where, you know, I've paid for what I've got. So they'll, they'll always... What I've got on hand is is actually cool because I'll have some for a while, hopefully. Absolutely. Cool. So, you know, obviously you mentioned priority one at this point is getting the physical book out. Um, and I don't want to hold your feet to the fire or anything like that. But when when are you <laughs> expecting to have uh, the physical book uh, available for people who didn't back the Kickstarter to, to order? Well, here's the thing. Uh, for starters, which I already mentioned to it, the book, I do have an actual copy of the book, which is pretty <laughs> cool for those of you who haven't yep. seen it. Um, there's two editions. There's the limited that you just saw, and then this is the, uh, uh-oh, wait a minute, there we go. Uh, oh, well, anyway. Um, so I do have, one of the last things that happened, and this is all a new process for me. Uh, we were talking before the show, Ryan, I... I <laughs> Most folks start with an adventure or maybe a fanzine, and then for some reason I thought it would be smart to come out with a 900-page book. So this has been a, a learning process for me uh, with a lot of speed bumps, but um, one of the last steps when you actually have books printed is they'll send you copies of the books that are actually, you know, they're, they're what you're going to get. Because yep. uh, at that point, you've either got to say, hey, this isn't right, I need to change this, or... You put the thumb on it and then you uh, you hope for the best. So we're at that stage right now. I actually uh, sent an email to my uh, the, the printer today asking if there had been any change and they didn't get back to me. But the last I was told the books should be here um, sometime in April. So it may be a little sooner. It may be a little later because they're coming from China. And with the world the way it is right now, you guys know that probably if you've bought a game or you've waited on the game uh, it's just gotten kind of crazy with with the way things are going the shortages and whatnot but mm -hmm. um as far as being able to get a copy if you didn't back the kickstarter that's something that may be a good point to bring up because uh, towards the end of this uh china went up probably close to eight grand just on shipping so it's it's kind of put me at a point to where i can't really buy a, a lot of extra copies so there's not going to be a lot floating around. I think I may have, last I checked, I want to think that I ordered 100 or 150 extra of the standard edition and then maybe another 50 to 75 of the limited. Joseph actually, uh, Joseph Goodman, for those of you that might not know Goodman Games, uh, he ordered uh, around the same, I think. So there will be some floating around, but... For about another week now, you can still pre-order the book to make sure that you get a copy. I probably will stop doing that in about another 7 to 10 days, though. Um, one of the things that when you actually have books printed is you have to figure in overages. So there's like a 5% overage. They may send me 5% less or 5% more than I ordered. And then you've got to uh, factor in the fact that there may be some lost or damaged books so i've got to stop selling them basically getting close because you know i need to make sure everybody that has backed has their book so um you can uh email me directly if you would like to get a copy you can still order um they still trickle in i get about two a week saying hey is it too late um so i'll help you as best i can and i can give you my email at the end of the show but um if you definitely want a copy of this book um I would probably pre-order, and I'm not trying to sell the book. I promise you I'm not. Mm -hmm. I just don't think there's going to be a lot floating around once they're out in the wild. No. And if, it, if people like it, you know, they, they may want to buy it, and then they may uh, become obsolete pretty quick. We'll have to go to a second printing. Hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So um, chat is also asking how heavy the book is. <laughs> 
Well, let's just say that you could probably, if I hit you hard enough with this, you might wake up and you might not. Um, it is just <laughs> under seven pounds. It's uh, 900 pages. And uh, I've had some questions once I did show the book off. You know, when you show this off, they're like, the spine's not going to hold and stuff. But I, I went through a printer uh, that Joseph uses. And one of the things that I was adamant on was this book's got to be sturdy. It's got to hold together. And they've used a uh, process with a spine. It's kind of new. And so they're telling me that you could probably throw it against a wall a couple dozen times and you'll be okay with it. So I'm hoping for the best with that. But just to reiterate, reiterate to everyone out there, the wall won't be okay. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, we actually put it as a weapon in the book. So there is a, a stat for the, I think it's a D7, maybe it's a D5 mm -hmm. that it would do. Absolutely. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about here, uh, just before we before we wrap up the show, before we, uh, you know, end things here, uh, you're doing a giveaway coming up pretty soon uh, that's going to, you know, benefit uh, a, a cat rescue, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so you've already mentioned that you're a cat person. I'm a cat person. Uh, James here is a cat person. Lots of cat people here. Uh, so t tell us a little bit about uh, kind of your your experience with, with cats, why you love them so much, and, and tell us about uh, the, the little guy that, that you've got now. Uh, I'll try to make that a short story. If if any of you know me, you probably know I've, I've had a cat, um, Sadie, since she was a little kitten, and and she passed away last year, and it, it was extremely hard for me to get through that, and um, that was August of last year, and I did not want another one, and that was just me being selfish, but I had no intentions of it, and I'm a firefighter by trade by day, and this particular day. I was supposed to bring breakfast and I was telling Ryan, I, I brought breakfast, had it in the fridge. I couldn't find it anywhere. Two cans of biscuits, how do you lose that in your fridge? But it was just kind of weird. Um, I went on to work and uh, at the fire department, we trade off. We drive for a month and we ride for a month and it was not my month to drive. Uh, the driver was actually out sick, so I ended up having to drive. So here we are going to buy breakfast that I should have already bought or I did buy but couldn't find and I'm driving the rig and on the way back from the grocery store I saw something that uh, it looked like a gray tumbleweed it was just blowing across the road and I don't even know why it caught my eye because you're in the engine you're up off the road and you're trying to watch cars but as we drove by it, it rolled and it came to a stop and it was a kitten and of course I freaked out um, the guys that were riding with me had no idea so when I threw the lights on the engine and did a hard left <laughs> turn around they probably soiled their panties a little bit. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I just knew. I knew when I got because there was a bus behind us and cars a busy road, and I just mm -hmm. knew it was going to be squished. And uh, got the engine turned around and got out and ran over there, and there he was fussing at me. And he is a spitting image of my cat that died, like when she was a kitten. So all these things kind of. And what what we I think happened is. Uh, his toe pads were a little scorched, so I think that with the cold, he was in an engine well. And I guess when the car just hit the hit the turn, he rolled out. And how he didn't die, I don't know. But either somebody threw him out of the car or he fell out of the engine well. So all those factors, I was kind of like, well, this is maybe the powers that be are telling me, you know, I need another one. So he is a complete jackass. Just, you know, his name's Jesco. And he is named after uh, Jesco White. If you don't know who Jesco White is, he is probably the original Hellbilly. Uh, you can find him on YouTube. Um, but uh, to get back to what you're saying about the charities, for several years now, I've tried to uh, collect games and things and do like a raffle. If you put a dollar in, you get a, a, a ticket basically in the raffle. And um, I've done that for the last several years for local no-kill shelters. Uh, some are, are dog and cat, but mostly cats. And um, this year, I thought since I've got two copies of the uh, Weird Frontiers game, that it would be kind of cool to uh, raffle these off. So you could actually get a copy of these before they come out, and I'm going to throw in some dice, dice bags and things like that. So that's probably going to go public in the next seven days and go for a couple of weeks. But I'll make sure and uh, let folks know on uh, uh, social media so they don't miss out. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. We we love our cats here on Rolling Bones. Uh, the coolest thing about DCC, most DCC people are cat people, and I think that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. We all have our familiars. <laughs> but my, one of my cats, Nora, actually came in not too terribly long ago. She doesn't like to get on camera, uh, but while I'm sitting here doing the show, she'll put her little paws on my leg and just kind of <laughs> look up and be like, pet. And so I'll pet her on top of the head until she decides she doesn't want to climb up. Yeah, they're awesome, man. I love cats. And then Ronan, if Ronan comes in, he'll jump up on my desk and you'll see a tail go across the camera. <laughs> that that has happened on, uh, I, I believe that happened on an episode of Deadlands, the Hellgate trilogy, where, where Ronan came in and just walked across the camera. So uh, he's around. He's he's here somewhere, and and one of these days he'll be back on Rolling Bones. Well, I know that you both you guys uh, were telling me your stories with your cat, so you're you're definitely uh, my kind of people just from the stories you're telling me about these these cool cats you've got now that had some challenging circumstances early on. Absolutely. So. Where can people find you and, you know, find information about Weird Frontiers? And also, uh, what cons are you planning on hitting up in 2022? Uh, well, you can you can actually purchase the PDF if you want to on DriveThruRPG. Uh, it is available. I don't want to go POD yet because I'm still kind of trying to figure out if their standard printing method is going to be able to handle a book that size, we may end up having to go into two volumes with it. Um, and I also don't want to make it available to folks who didn't back the Kickstarter. You know, I think it's only fair to get those folks the books before we make them for sale. But the PDF is for sale. The uh, adventures will start dropping pretty soon. Um, we've got four. I got the Goodman's approval on the fourth adventure today. And I'm waiting on the maps for uh, the fifth. So those will be out soon. I probably will release those for sale just to kind of help with that overage I was telling you about with the shipping. Um, but you can still, like I said, you can get the PDF. Uh, the book itself, as soon as I get things fulfilled, I'll put what I've got left for sale. And Joseph will have some as well on his website. Um, what was the other question? I'm sorry. Oh, um, social media wise, where can people oh, find oh. you? Uh, the best way is Facebook. I'm not a big fan of Facebook. Uh, Twitter's got too many hashtags for me, guys. I'm too old. I can't handle that one. So I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Actually, I will say this. If you like, uh, you know, Weird West uh, themed groups, the, the Weird Frontiers group is really cool. I'm, I'm very proud of it simply because it stays active. And it, it's not just Weird Frontiers. If you're a Deadlands guy, uh, I guarantee you there will be posts there that you'll appreciate and maybe get some some brain fuel for your own things with uh, whatever game that is that you're playing. So, again, um, I am on MeWe, and I'm trying really hard to uh, get back to these things because it's just there's so many things going on, you know. It's it's just me. It's me and Gilbert Isla who's doing the, the layout, and he's been the editor, so... It's 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 hard and, and doing that and I guess working a full time job, paying attention to all these things you need to when you've got a book coming out. But um, you can also email me um, and, and we can make that available. Um, but it's Weird Frontiers RPG at Gmail. That's Weird Frontiers RPG at Gmail. And I typically get back within 24 to 48. You know, if, if I don't, if you reach out to me by some form or another and I don't respond, it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's probably that I just haven't checked it. So just stay on me and I will get you. Gotcha. Absolutely. And uh, w which platform is the best place to go if people want to see pictures of Jesco? <laughs> Facebook, definitely Facebook. Feel free to friend me on there. Um, I'd love to, to to chat with you and share things like that. But yeah, Jesco is he has made his official appearance on Facebook a few months ago, and um, like I was telling you guys earlier, he's a complete jackass. You know, you get that one kid. You always hear about that one kid you've got this perfect. Well, my first cat was just perfect, and this guy, he's his spirit animal is a great white shark. He runs around <laughs> with his mouth wide open. Gotcha. And uh, just to, to answer the uh, question in chat here, my cat Ronan is kind of named after Frank Miller's Ronan. Um, 
It's actually Ronan with an A instead of an I, uh, because my wife vetoed Ronan with an I. So, <laughs> well, you got to go with a wife there, you know. Yep. So, you, so the you, answer to that question is sort of. You've got good taste in comics too. See, I, I like doing shows when I know I could probably just hang out with you guys, sit at the table, and uh, shoot the breeze for several hours on just cool stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd love me some uh, some Frank Miller. Sin City is a favorite of my Sin City is my favorite one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, tied for first with Tombstone. So. Oh yeah, yeah. It's hard to beat that one. Um, and I think I missed one of your questions as far as the cons. I'm definitely attending uh, North Texas. I'm going to try and do Gen Con and Game Hole. Um, I would like to do some other cons as well. I know that there's Con on the Cob, Total Con, even PAX. I mean, I'm I'm kind of looking at all these, and with things going the way they are right now with, you know, the COVID cooties floating around, I guess a, a lot of that's going to kind of factor in where I end up being this time of year. But I'm definitely going to North Texas and uh, Long Con and Game Hole Con. I'm going to try and make Gen Con if I can. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and just to address some of the, the chat chatter here around Ronan's name, I will accept Ronan the Destroyer because you guys know how I feel about Conan and the fact that Ronan routinely tries to jump up on my miniature shelf here and knock things over. He is Ronan the Destroyer. Yeah, and, I'm, already, I'm already like trying to fi- figure out a way to protect my miniatures. So I'm like got acrylic boxes to set over things so the jackasses and knock them over. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the the James, the uh, main character, Aragon's brother in the Aragon series is uh, Roran, not not Roman. So that's where. Uh... Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> oh, it's all right, though, it's. You're just like off by a letter. So. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, that's going to do it for uh, tonight's Rolling Bones. David, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great time. I am, uh, you know, I'm glad that we were finally able to make this work. Uh, and just to let everyone know, all of you DCC fans out here who tuned in tonight, uh, you're going to want to tune in next week because we got Harley Stroh coming on, and that's going to be a fantastic show. I am really looking forward to talking to Harley, especially now that DCC 100 is blowing up the way that it has. And that campaign has been, uh, amazingly successful. So, uh, everyone who, you know, loves DCC, definitely tune in next week. Cause Harley's going to be on. Uh, so until then guys, remember, uh, you know, subscribe here on twitch.tv slash Valor Studios. We're here every Monday night at 8 PM. Definitely join the, uh, Valor Studios discord, uh, follow us on Twitter and, uh, just, uh, you know, share the, the YouTube link when it comes out on Friday with anyone who loves, uh, Weird West games or loves Dungeon Crawl Classics and wasn't able to join us tonight. Uh, but, you know, we, we definitely appreciate your support. We're glad that you guys are here and we hope you'll, uh, you know, stick with us for next week with Harley. Uh, but until then, whether you rolled a one or a 20, I am so glad that you guys rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard and us at Valor Studios. And we'll see you next time.